Welcome to another episode of Good Morning Camera, and this one is especially exciting. I love when we get to record these episodes right off the heels of some exciting announcements. But first, I got to talk to my host over here, Anthony. It's been a couple of weeks. How have you been? Fantastic, man. Uh, like I said, I have been thinking about you, and I was just like, bro, Gadget is going to be busy. <laughs> we got some Ooh, crazy goodness. announcements coming out the last couple of days. Excited to dive into this one. What's going on? So uh, we got to start this conversation off, and we will get to the Sony A7 IV. I mean, prob- maybe the most anticipated camera or one of the most anticipated cameras of the year. We're going to get to that, but first... We're going to talk about the DJI Ronin 4D. And, uh, well, you actually brought this to my attention. I was, uh, (laughs) you know, happily typing away, you know, prepping for some NDA meetings and announcements, et cetera, et cetera. You sent me a link. This thing gets announced. It's crazy. What is this all about? Yeah, so this is actually insane. Uh, I I was just thinking about this, and I'm like, man. This is a crazy announcement and just something that was just like not even on my radar, not even something that I really thought about. So good on DJI for just throwing this out here. Everybody's got to go watch uh uh, Parker Wolbeck. Uh, he posted this video. Uh, he's the guy who does like the full-time filmmaker ads that you see on YouTube all the time. He produced a really good video about this and he like, I just like the way that he color graded this footage and you guys can see like how nice this cinema camera is. And then on top of the fact like that this cinema camera has a like essentially a stabilizer you know, gimbal-like thing attached to the front of this camera. Uh, So the sensor is actually attached to this gimbal uh, and then, you know, it's a full frame sensor and we're shoot, we're getting 6K ProRes RAW with a LiDAR uh, autofocus built into this camera. The footage looks absolutely fantastic uh, for a first iteration camera. I was like so surprised. I was just like... I I was like, okay, this is going to be like kind of gimmicky, but no, this is actually a killer camera. Uh, I'm, I'm mind blown that the fact that, you know, DJI just threw the fat threw this out there uh, and combined a gimbal with a full on full frame cinema camera. I'm so impressed. Yeah. So when you sent this to me first, I I thought it was a joke, but no, (laughs) like when you see the product movie, okay, this is an actual product. And I will say that I am cautiously optimistic. I love, and we talked about this, I love when companies start doing crazy niche products Mm -hmm. to to fit into a specific solution, to do some one or two things really well. And what you have here is uh, this cube that has an arm coming out of it that has this eyeball in the lens and sensor. And again, you have four axis stabilization. You sent me a video by Potato Jet. I was watching that. He was shaking it around, and this thing was, you know, holding that lens and sensor in place. And you also have a monitor that's uh, a thousand nit monitor, so pretty bright yeah. monitor uh, that shows you what what it's looking at, and you can control it with the touchscreen and the buttons and dials on the side. It looks like they really considered everything they could for mm-hmm. a pro solution. Now here's where, like, again, when I'm reading all these specs. It seems to tick a lot of boxes. You know what I mean? When you look at <laughs> yeah. full fame, easy to change mounts, 
LiDAR autofocus, which in short ranges should be incredibly accurate. You Dang. have dual native ISO at 805,000. Uh, they say it's over 14 stops of dynamic range, built-in ND filter, a lot of amazing stuff here. For me, I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. I, I just want to wait a bit. I want to wait and see <laughs> this in professional hands because you know how these announcements are. We take part in these sort of announcements. Companies come out, you know, make us sign the NDA or approve the NDA, send us the products, and we have to get a day and date. And it's really just a first impression, right? We're, we, we don't mm -hmm. have the time uh, to go into a full-on deep dive in a matter of hours sometimes, right? So I see everyone's videos comes out, and I see everyone's excited about it, as would I. DJI, while they've been making cameras in a literal way, it's between drones and a little robot thing, I have yet to see their footage from a dedicated camera really maintain the sort of consistency and color science. You know, when I'm mm -hmm. using these Osmo Pockets, when I'm using the Mavic, it just seems like the footage, it's really up and down, right? Like they, they seem yeah. to change the sensor all the time and the look sort of changes. So I'm excited that they're getting into the space. I'm excited that they're making something like this. But I, I want to I wait a little bit. I want to yeah. wait for it a little bit. And, and so They're... I got to ask you, you know, with respect to that, where do you think DJI is going with this thing? Yeah, as as impressed as I was, uh, I was just I was still thinking, you know, I was slightly depressed about the fact that this couldn't be like the only cinema camera that you could own and you'd be like completely happy and do just about everything with it is still a niche product uh because you know there's just some like funny quirks like uh um you know the the camera can't accept like all mirrorless lenses because like the gimbal can't actually hold like heavier lenses like something like from like an rf mount right so that's where this product is kind of like a downside dji they got this 24 millimeter the 35 millimeter and a 50 uh, millimeter they're all super compact they're f 2.8 which is a little eh, you know but uh I think it's a it's a niche product, uh, and it's something that's going to have to you know be paired with some other solutions. Uh, if you're like a full on like kind of production house, or or even just you know the average creator, but I think this is so exciting because what I was thinking about is I wonder if Canon is seeing something like something like this, and now they're going to like start thinking about you know the possibilities of combining like some sort of gimbal with some of their cinema cameras and what maybe they might could come up with. I know like they're not necessarily in the the gimbal kind of world, but this is such a game changer and it's such a, it combines so many other like high-end cinema products, right? That it just makes it like for such an interesting shooting experience. I'm I'm thinking that they are kind of looking at this product and being like, Hmm. You know, like this could. I, I, I don't. You know, listen. This... If you said that about uh, maybe uh, three other camera brands, I might agree with you. I think <laughs> Canon. I don't think Canon d genuinely doesn't care. I think looking at <laughs> Canon's history of products, I think they like to do weird things to the beat of their own drum. You look at the sort of f11 600 800 lenses you look at those zoom shots that they make those, uh, yeah. you know, monocular kind of thing i think canon loves exploring weird niche ideas i don't think they look at the i don't think they look at any real competitor and sort of make their design choices based on that if they have something i think it's probably in the pipeline because they were t uh, thinking about it already yeah and the benefit they would have 
is a robust ecosystem of cinema gear, EF, and a lot of relationships across Hollywood and professional environments, right? Yeah. I, I, so I'm looking at this thing, and I think that DJI is approaching the camera space in a similar way they did the drone space, right? Where they have a super high-end solution that gets announced and slowly kind of trickles down. But if we're being quite literal about it, this is like the extreme opposite end of the Osmo pocket. <laughs> you know, that little <laughs> yeah. thing that you put in your pocket with a little camera on the top. Like that is the super entry level model. And this Ronin 40 <laughs> is the super high end model of that. Right. Am I wrong here? Like it's literally the, the same sort of product line that we're talking about. 100%. So I, I'm, I'm excited for the space. Um, you know, I, I would love to see them succeed. And if, if this turned into, you know, more versions of this product and maybe an even more modular solution from the looks of it. And, I, and no one could quite confirm this, but technically you should be able to remove the sensor, remove the gimbal, maybe if you, even if you had to ship it to them and then upgrade that over time. Mm-hmm. So it'd be cool to see that, okay, over time, you know, you keep the same body and processor and guts, but maybe you can get a stronger arm. Maybe you can get a better sensor. Maybe you can get a better yeah. monitor. Like, it'd be cool if they turned this into one of the most robust, modular cinema solutions with integrated stabilization. That would be pretty yeah. awesome, no? 100%. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about, too. I was wondering if we there was some way you could, like, upgrade the gimbal, like, strength or something like that, like, later on down the road. I think that'd be so sick. Because then that would literally make this, like the one camera to kind of get the the big downside with this cinema solution is the fact that you got to stick with really really small lenses and the fact that you know it's a full frame sensor so a lot of the full frames lenses are just not that small right so dji you know they they've got that 24 the 35 and the 50 but i don't know not many people i don't know are people I would love to be able to slap a 1.4 lens on this. Uh, on hey, this thing I mean, listen. You, I mean, this thing looks like it can take a contact Zeiss. So I have some contact Zeiss, you know, vintage lenses. They come mm-hmm. with a full frame perspective. That would be an amazing solution here, and you can get like a 51.4. That's like super tiny. Or hey, if you got the budget for it, those Leica M lenses, you can get True. a nice you know Summicron and Summilux, and you could probably make it work. It's not. It's not inexpensive by any means, but it could work. And you know what's funny you, about this, you saying that is I remember this uh, Make Art Now video. If you look up Make Art, Art Now on YouTube, he's got this video about LiDAR technology. Uh, and he uses manual focus lenses, but LiDAR, you know, makes it so that it's essentially giving this lens autofocus with like the gears wrapped around the lens. Uh, and then you yeah. just like use the LiDAR to uh, actually focus on there. I don't know if we need to really explain what LiDAR is because LiDAR is like a crazy technology, but like essentially we're using like light sensors to, to get your subject in focus. Uh, and there's like, you know, these sensors that track the subject. You just select your subject on the LCD screen uh, and then it's going to use those sensors to keep that subject in focus which is absolutely um i mean that tech is just like mind-blowing and make art now his video is actually quite crazy you should look this up uh and uh yeah it was actually super reliable so that would actually open the door to to you being able to use some like maybe some like m lenses you just need to get the right mount right like that'd be mm-hmm, sick mm-hmm. yeah i mean whether you use the lidar that's integrated whether you have a focus puller what what have you um, 
the, the potential is what has me interested. Yeah. You know, it seems like the ceiling is quite high for this thing, but also the floor is quite a ways away <laughs> too. Like, who knows, right? Like, yeah. I mean, DJI is also a company that will happily ax one product and explore something else and really figure this thing out. The, the luxury they have now is a robust network of deployment, right? Where they have super high-end, uh, essentially these Hollywood trucks that roll up with their, you know, their drones and their cameras and a team of people to help you create and, and help you shoot content. And having something like this integrated to that, I think they'll find a way to make it successful. I don't think this is something that's going to be gone anytime soon. In fact, I think it's just going to be refined. And 100%. Well, I'm, excited, I'm excited to see where it goes. So, Gadget, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay, the people have purged. They screamed. They demanded the Sony A7 IV. It is. It's here, and you have it in your hands. So, can you? The elephant can, is literally in, in the, the room. room. And you know what? The, the texture actually is kind of like elephant skin texture. Now that you mention it. Uh, so, tell us um, what's going on with this camera. What, what's the deal? <laughs> you got it. You used it. You shot with it. What's what's happening? Yeah. So, camera arrives at five o'clock the day before the announcement. I, I can I can talk <laughs> about it now. Okay. Uh, I then head to a studio with a team. Arrive there for six o'clock. We set up and we shoot until about 12 a.m. Uh, <laughs> we then get home. Well, I get home, <laughs> download the footage, edit everything until about 4 a.m., schedule all that kind of stuff, and 10 a.m. is the announcement. So it was a fun, <laughs> it was a fun 12 hours test driving this camera. And that's why I say, like, these early videos, they are just impressions. They're just giving you an overview. And that's what our video is, is me kind of reacting to this thing and talking yeah. about it. You have a body from the A7S 3 with this thing here. When you hold it in your hand, I mentioned this in the video, I love the depth of the grip. I feel like it's a little short at the bottom, but being too small is not a bad thing because you can always put like a grip or an adapter or a rig around it to add a little bit more size to this thing. You now have a fully articulating LCD on the back, which I think a lot of people will appreciate. If you know me, I am more of an operator where I'm taking photos or taking video. I prefer a tilting display, but from a marketing perspective, it seems like people are happy when it's a fully articulating display, but not a huge deal here. 33 megapixel full frame sensor. So they went to a new sensor and this is the thing that anytime a camera's announced nowadays, there's always gonna be somebody upset about it and the noise gets distorted for the first few days and then it kind of <laughs> settles. And then when you're actually going to buy something, you realize, okay, these are actually pretty great options. It's not a stacked sensor like the Sony Alpha 1. Mm. So they went to something that's higher resolution, backside illuminated, so you get really good dynamic range. And like with Sony files, you can really pull details from the shadows. But because it's not a stacked sensor, the sensor readout speed isn't as fast. Now, it mm. has the same processor as the Alpha 1, A7S 3 That's why you have the new menu system, the new focusing algorithm, the new improved color science, that kind of stuff. But because it can't read it as fast, and this is where the point of contention may be, this thing records a max of 4K 30p with full readout, and then 4K 60 when you do mm. Super 35 mode. And in my conversation with them, the decision was like, look, we could do higher resolution or something else, but we would have to incorporate line skipping, pixel binning. And we just decided not to degrade the quality of the video file. So we went in one direction where you have the highest, I believe, 7.8K, sorry, 7K oversampling for 4K footage and 30P. 
and then 4.8K uh, oversampling for their 4K 60p footage. So when I was looking at these files, they're super crispy. Like they are very, very mint. And I had time mm-hmm. with the Leica SL2 and that had some oversampling in it. And, you know, you notice it right away when you get the 4K file, how much real, how more realistic and, and, and they're more, the more, it has more clarity to the file, I should say, especially in the midtones, right? This thing really wowed me in that way. And when I used it with the S Cinetone, you could see it in the video. Like I didn't put anything on it. I just put the S Cinetone. We made sure to expose properly and it looked good. Like there was yeah. no creative LUT on it to pull it in a certain certain direction. But I love to test these things with skin, different kinds of skin tone, especially like melanin rich skin tone, because you want to see the gradation. Can it pull the details there or does it look muddy when you punch in? Mm-hmm. And I was very impressed that, you know, even when I wasn't using S-Log or S-Log 2 or S-Log 3, that the footage looked really good out of camera, right? Um, I'm going to let you talk, but there's a few more things I need, <laughs> I need to mention. Um, so you have dual UHS-2 card slots. One of them can be used as CF Express. Um, so for most people, what, what you'll appreciate is that if you have a high-end SD card, a V90 card, you can use any mode. You actually don't need the CF Express for any of the modes, right? However, if you later on down the line want to upgrade to CF Express, you get a little bit more reliably, re- reliability. Uh, you see, I'm still slurring my words from that all-nighter. <laughs> um, but being able to download your footage is much faster. So you got to think, if you're recording about 128 gigs of video files and you need to upload them, or sorry, download them to your machine, CF Express allows you to do that much faster. In terms of ports, you know, you have USB-C, microphone, headphone, HDMI jack, all the ports you would need. And the last thing I'll mention before I'll toss it to you to ask any more questions is under the mode dial, they've now incorporated a sub dial similar to what the X-T4 does, where you switch between photo, video, and SNQ mode. And what's fantastic about this, what I appreciate about this, from a hybrid shooting perspective, when you're switching rapidly, this now changes the complete layout of the camera. So if you customize your dials, and there's a lot of dials and a lot of buttons on this thing, (laughs) you can customize it for photo. And when you switch to video, you can have a separate setup for video. And when you do that, the menu system actually changes to reflect whatever mode you're in. Mm-hmm. And that that is something like tip of the cap. I still think Sony puts a lot of buttons on this thing, but <laughs> tip of the cap, I appreciate that. And it's a very usable type of feature upgrade. Mm-hmm. So those are sort of the the main things. I have a couple more I could talk about, but I figure I'll let you <laughs> speak for a second and <laughs> ask a question if you have it. Uh, yeah, seriously. Uh, I just want to highlight, um, you know, I love oversampled 4K footage, you know. I don't necessarily need or want 8K or 6K, but I do like to occasionally shoot 4K. And, you know, what's nice is sometimes I just want the best quality 4k that i could possibly get and what was funny about this announcement is i was actually out walking my dog when i got the notification that uh this is a go right and uh i was just like we gotta just search up something on my phone real quick whipped out my iphone 7 and uh saw some (laughs) example footage and immediately even on my iphone 7 i was just like wow like this footage looks fantastic. So I totally hear you when we're talking about 7K downsampled to, uh, to 4K. I think that's actually the right direction to go uh, for this particular camera. And I also like this movement towards like not giving us more 
specs necessarily but like interesting features like for example the uh, the focus map feature this is a kind of a cool little thing for uh creators you know it, yeah. it creates this like it almost looks like a an nft looking outline around your your subject <laughs> uh, and it, 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 it whatever is like out of focus is going to be lit up in blue uh and then what what is actually in focus isn't going to have any color on that subject at all and i think that's just, just like a such a nice way to find focus because like some of those focusing uh features were they can be like a little subtle it's kind of hard to see on your like smaller lcd screen so i think that's huge but the question that i'm hearing a lot online gadget and i'm going to ask this to you right here is it is it enough do you think like it was a, enough of an, an announcement when i look at this thing it makes complete sense especially when you take into account the climate that we're in like between the chip shortage, between shipping delays, the, the cost of moving from, you know, cargo boats to planes, like all these kinds of things, this is a more than fine announcement. And it has features that is plenty enough for creators. You also have to take into account that Sony has two, sorry, three other cameras <laughs> already on the market in case you want more. If you want more video features, you have the A7S 3 or the FX3 or the FX6. If you want more resolution, you have the Alpha 1, you have the A7R4A, whatever they call that thing. <laughs> and if you want more speed, you have the A9 Mark II. Yeah. This is why you have to take the opinions of, of primarily YouTubers and early reviewers <laughs> with a grain of salt because sometimes, I'm not gonna name names, you might be overly critical about these things just for the sake of making something and not mm -hmm. sounding too nice or whatever it may be, right? To, to put a spin on things. At the end of the day, Sony has done a phenomenal job of rounding out their lineup. Their lineup is internally modernized. And, you know, you can go a step below and look at something like the A7C. You can go even lower than that, the ZV10. Uh, ZV uh, sorry, she was like, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> ZV1. No, it is a ZV1. <laughs> oh, God, Sony. See, you see what I complained about your naming structure? This is why, for moments like this, right? <laughs> Uh, and don't blame me. So when I look at this product, I think it's a good upgrade. It is almost like the, a TikTok cycle, right? Where the A7 III was huge. And this one is noticeable upgrade, probably not as huge. But in a way, you'll look at this thing, you'll know if you need to upgrade or not. There's going to be mm -hmm. a suite of users that are going to look at this thing and going to be like, you know what? I need the better thermals. I need the, the better uh, 4K footage. Um, I need the usability upgrades to this thing, especially with the tilting, articulating, uh, fully articulating display and the sub dial. And maybe if you're on the photo side, you look at it and like, well, I don't really need 33. In fact, mm -hmm. I might be looking at a A7R4 or I might look at an Alpha 1 or something like that, right? So it might not have gotten the fanfare uh, that a lot of people, a lot of die hard and primarily <laughs> YouTube personalities were hoping for, but I don't think anything would have delivered that. I don't think yeah. any, Sony could have lived up to any of the expectations of this thing. And, and, you know, we're looking at price. This thing is not expensive. I mean, sorry, not inexpensive. It's 3200 bucks. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I'm surprised it's not more. Like, it, it, is, it was announced at $500 US more than what the A7R3 launched at three and a half years ago. And mm -hmm. in three and a half years, uh, we're still you know, recovering shipping lines and, and all those kind of supply chain problems. 
uh, we have a global chip shortage, right? <laughs> I'm I am genuinely surprised that this camera doesn't cost more. I'm not saying things should cost more people, but and I'm not going to turn this into a microeconomics lesson because <laughs> Anthony told me not to do that anymore. But <laughs> but if you look at how these things are manufactured, made, shipped, cost, and delivered, all this kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure the margins are even thinner for Sony on this with a heavier reliance on lens sales to mm -hmm. recoup the cost. But that's enough I, for me. I think I think we could say that Sony does a really good job at making their cameras for a very specific person. Uh, and that may be a downside uh, at the same time. But you know what? We got to move on, Gadget, because it's our favorite time of the show. You know, this is creator draft pick time. Um, I, I think... You you want to go first? I don't know. <laughs> what what do you got planned? I mean, mine is a mine is a boring one, so I'll go first. <laughs> it's the new MacBook Pro that was announced. I ordered a 16 inch M1 Max, uh, 64 gigs of RAM, two terabytes of storage, a monster of a machine. Okay, mm. I don't even have it in my hands. It's not a fair creator draft pick. But listen, <laughs> like with all of our draft picks, I paid for it. I'm getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to talk about it. So uh, Apple had their event, and it was a long-awaited event, and, and it's their new MacBook Pros, these machines that are meant for creative professionals, right, that are really driving uh, their computing solution in the field, whether it's coding, illustration, song recording, photography, video production, all that kind of stuff. I've every, you know, From 2012 and every five years, I would get a new MacBook Pro. I made an exception last year to wait, and then I ended up getting the MacBook Air. And I looked at this thing, and after everyone's reviews and talking about this new M1 chip, I'm like, you know, let me try this thing. And I used it. It exceeded my expectations. And I looked at this thing. I'm like, at best, I'm going to be using this thing. And I don't need to upgrade. At worst, this thing is a $500, $500 rental that I'm then going to sell and get a MacBook Pro. And you know mm -hmm. what, Anthony? That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> new MacBook Pro is coming in. I'm selling this one because on paper, looking at sort of the uh, how this thing relates in terms of processing power, I think this is going to be an absolute monster when it comes to processing image, especially H.265. Like this architecture has built-in chips to manage uh, ProRes files, manage H.265 files much better. This is something that is going to give creators a real benefit. Is it for everyone? Probably not. I think if you're a full-time editor, a full-time photographer, you're going to get a ton of value out of this thing. That's why I'm excited. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's my <laughs> boring, maybe even predictable pick for this week. What about you? <laughs> you know what? Um, we can't knock them out of the park every week, right? Like, and I feel like I'm about to do the same. You know, mine is just very simple, very easy. And, uh, it's, it's the Rode PSA one, you know, they just released the new Rode PSA one plus, which looks kind of interesting, but you know, you just can't go wrong with a good classic, uh, mic stand Rode PSA one. Uh, that's the one that's always in my videos, you know, and it just looks like, uh, it, it works really well. I have like a hands-free kind of experience. Nothing's on the table. I mean, well, actually a lot's on the table here, but <laughs> this is just my crazy, uh, setup here, but you know, having the mic just in front of my face, I could just, you know, talk with my hands. I can, you know, get everything uh, that I need to get access to on my desktop uh, and, you know, not have to worry about bumping the microphone or like 
getting it getting in the way the road psa1 is like a it's just a staple for you know creators out there uh if you have a desk work from a desk you could just clamp it right onto the desk or drill a permanent hole i just went with the clamp it's perfect i can move the the uh, mic stand off of my desk later on down the road and not have to worry about you know filling a massive hole on my desk but this is just a staple like i said not the most craziest creator draft pick that we've come up with but it is uh i think one of uh, the most important things especially nowadays when you're using when you're going on zoom and stuff you want to i mean i was laughing uh, at a store manager i was talking to uh, the other day and uh, she's just like wait you brought your own microphone to to join a zoom call and i'm like anthony does not do built-in microphones <laughs> so Oh, no. We, we are far above that level. Yeah. And listen, it, I, you know what? We shouldn't call these boring picks because we don't make picks for wow factor. We make picks for the now factor. Okay? Yeah. We're, we're, not, we're not selling out our integrity for nothing. This, I fight tooth and nail for this, Anthony, that we have our journalistic integrity and we get to talk about picks that we actually use, that mm-hmm. we actually get value from. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna stand by this. This is a hill that I will die on. Um, <laughs> and, uh, sorry, Anthony. We're, we're, no, we're not dying. No, we're gonna fight on this hill. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah. Anyways, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to this all as much as we had fun making this show. As always, please do subscribe, recommend the show to your creator friends. And if you're listening on iTunes, leave us a review because it does help people find the show. And as always, my name's Gadget. Thank you so much for listening. He's Anthony, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>